Welcome, everyone, to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan Podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. James here, coming to you with episode number 68 of the Inside Japan Podcast, brought to you by JobsInJapan.com, as always. Got a hot one for you here, guys. An interesting one here from a fellow podcaster that has a podcast known as Uncanny Japan that you may have heard of. And I promise, this I was listening back when I'm editing this episode, as I always do. And it sounds, this episode starts like, it sounds like a, a paid, it sounds like a paid uh, episode, I promise you. It sounds like, I'm just so, I, I really think the show is really cool. And you can hear that in my voice. But it's, you know, I have to say it. I was not paid anything for the episode. I, I contacted her and said, hey, I like your show. Can you come on my show and talk about what you do and how that stuff is? And we talk about what she does in Japan and stuff. So it's not a paid <laughs> thing. I just think it's really cool. Uh, but yeah, she's, she has an awesome podcast called Uncanny Japan. You can find it at uncannyjapan.com. So be sure to check that out if you have any interest in that kind of stuff in Japan. I'm not going to tell you what that kind of stuff is because then you got to listen, right? Before we get to the interview, though, I do want to say I had a post on, on uh, Twitter. So you should be following me on if you're not. And I said, you know, I kind of feel like my time in Japan is running out because it is. I am leaving next year, leaving Japan and kind of feels kind of weird. You know, I came to Japan thinking I would stay a year and now I've been here 10 years and now I have one year left. It's kind of interesting feelings. You know, I kind of want to think about what do I want to do in my last year? I wanna, I'm going to keep the podcast going as long as I can, for sure. So don't no worries about that ending. But you know, on the blog side of things, I have hundreds of articles and stuff, and I want to kind of do something with that to kind of sum it up, you know, kind of put a bow on things, you know, but I'm not sure what that is yet. I'm just thinking about it. But uh, yeah, thanks for all the kind words. A lot of people said some kind words uh, in response to that saying, you know, why you leave and stuff like that. But it was never the plan to stay forever. My time is up. My 10 years is up. It's time for me to get off the island, I think. Uh, of course, you know, it's not all good. Of course, there's some bad things about America, too, for sure in terms of presidents and guns and things like that. So that's not easy. It's not, not easy to talk to my wife about this stuff. But, you know, I, I just think the pros outweigh the cons for me and my kids. And uh, my wife was down with it, and she wanted to always go to Japan too. There's my cat. He's screaming about it. He's not ready for that flight to Japan, the, the flight to America that he has to deal with. But there you go. Is he still is any more talking from him or no? But anyways, without further ado, let's get to it. My interview with Teresa from... Uncanny Japan, an awesome podcast in the Japan space. The most interesting and unique podcast in Japan space for sure. Let's get to it. Okay, right, guys, very special guest today. Her name's Teresa. She is the host of, founder, creator, everything of an awesome podcast known as Uncanny Japan. How are you doing tonight, Teresa? I'm pretty good. How are you? Pretty good. So just so people know, of course, we'll talk about it a lot, but I want to, your Uncanny Japan is really cool. I think it's cool. The cool thing about it for me is that you have very soundscapish kind of kind of feel feel about things i wish i could do more of that but you have like a set the stage with soundscapes and then you tell a cool story about japan uh so if anyone's never heard about your podcast what can you tell us a little bit about it a little bit about it it is exactly what you said i got binaural mics so i wear these really goofy i have this goofy hat and i have these two microphones on either side of the hat and i walk around um what the beach or near what uh rice fields or in the forest or whatever and i, I record and then I talk about Japan. And my whole idea is kind of like I'm telling you a short story about or something like myth or superstition or something about Japan while you're listening. 
That's cool. Uh, in Japan, like, like you're with me here while I'm telling you this story. So that was the whole idea. That's cool. Yeah. It's not like, you know, sometimes I have sound effects here, but I always just, you know, edit them in, you know, the real quick computer, a few keys and push in there. They're here. You actually go out there in the field and do it. That's really, that's what really makes it cool. That's really, it's really interesting. It's really funny because like, you know, I can be walking and it's nice and quiet and you're these frogs in the rice fields and then like a scooter or a car will like drive by and I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> what do you do in that case? You just like stop what you're saying and then just start again or what? Sometimes I hiccup. I'm like, oh, but then sometimes I just keep going and, you know, try to like get that down so it doesn't, you know, spike out the mics or anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, people say that when they're listening. If you listen in headphones, it's surreal because people like look around and like, oh, I thought I got that. A real car was coming. <laughs> no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, definitely really cool. I want to talk about that, how you came up with the idea, all that stuff. But first, let's learn about you about a little bit more about Teresa, right? So you, you live in Japan. I know now, I know that now from your bio and stuff. So you're in Japan now. Uh, so how did you get here in the first place? What was the draw for you? Uh, was it a job? Was it a love for anime? Was it love for video games? What was it that got you here in the first place? Cool. I'm very much older than anime and video games. <laughs> okay. I came back in 1990. I was in the States. I studied martial arts. I was really into martial arts and Buddhism. That was my thing. My, my things were martial arts and Buddhism and both Chinese and Japanese. I went to China first for a couple months and China was fine, but I could never get the language. I was just that, the, the intonation, the different, uh, you know, I couldn't. And then I started, but I love the kanji. I love the characters. And I, I kept studying. And then I came to Japan on a scholarship for a year and I picked it up. It was, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was just so much easier than Chinese. And I loved it. And I did kendo and I got to study in a little Buddhist temple with this little monk and, and everything just kind of came together. So I stayed another year. So actually I came as an exchange student. Okay. That was my yeah. Oh, cool. So you're that. So you just loved all things Asia, all things, and then you said, "Hey, well, Japan. Japan kind of drew you a little bit more than China did, I guess." Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I, I, of course, I love them both, but for some reason, it was easier. Okay. <laughs> Japan okay. Was easier. Wow. Okay. Okay. So now you're you're working here as a student, uh, and that's kind of cool. But obviously, mm-hmm. something kind of kept you here longer than that. So what, what was that kind of? What was your draw there? You just kept liking living here. Yeah, no, that was the dude, I guess. Um, <laughs> getting, getting married and moving to a smaller town, uh, starting a family, having a son, and yeah, still in the small town. The kids moved out and still doing my thing. So cool, cool. Okay, okay, cool. So, did you ever in that time have you ever worked as a teacher or anything like that? You have to do any like English teaching or something you have to do for you know extra cash or anything or. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm doing that now. I'm in a small place and uh, really loving it. Uh, originally, I did a little bit teaching on and off. I wasn't very good at it, so it was hard for me. But now I thoroughly enjoy the kids. They are absolutely amazing, and they teach me so much. Oh, cool. They teach me so much. So, um, yeah, I'm teaching at a tiny place, and I'm looking to start my own little place uh, probably within a year oh, or cool, less. Oh, cool. Okay. So is this, is this uh, a Kiowa setup? Is it a kind of kindergarten setup? What kind of school are you working at? Uh, right now it's a private, so it's from literally, literally six months old until the oldest is like 70-something. Oh, wow, <laughs> so, okay. yeah, across the board. <laughs> cool, cool, okay, okay. So, yeah, it's so fun. you found teaching kind of like that. So let's kind of – what – you obviously found about this, you know, the kind of interesting stories about Japan. What kind of drew you to those stories? When did you kind of become aware of that? What was kind of the, the first one you hear that kind of found this interest in that kind of stuff of Japan? That would be probably when I got married. So I moved to, again, a small town and my mother-in-law was extremely superstitious, like everything. I could do nothing right because everything I did right was against some superstition. 
And it drove me crazy. And this was like pre-internet. So I didn't know what to do. I mean, this, you know, I can't do anything right. Everything I do is wrong. So I'd go to the library and I kind of look this stuff up. And at first it was hard and then it became fascinating. Oh, okay. That's why they do this. Oh, okay. There's a reason behind, you know, you don't get a refrigerator delivered on this day because it's a bad day to have something delivered or something. <laughs> and uh, I would, I started writing. So I started writing short stories kind of um, about Japan that, how do you say it, like, people know about Japan, what they see on, you know, TV or the internet or whatever, but this is kind of like the Japan, like the, the deep, deep cultural stuff that probably they don't get. Mm. So mm. I would write stories about that, and I had all this, like, extra stuff, and then that went to the podcast. So it was just kind of a natural progression, I guess. Interesting. So just writing stuff was just for fun? Were you kind of putting it out somewhere? You've said this before the internet, so what were you kind of doing with those writings? Just for your own kind of fun? Right. So I wanted, I've always wanted to be a writer, I guess, for, for, you know, ever since I read Stephen King, you know, as a child. So I would back in the day, you know, literally write, type up stories, uh, print them out, put them in an envelope, send them. And I got, a, you know, I got quite a few things published in magazines. And then I got a book deal for short stories. And that's kind of been going along. So yeah, just studying, building myself up. <laughs> cool, cool. Now, I hear you said you went to the library, you know, and that's kind of, you know, you might think it's a normal thing to do. But for you to live in the library, uh, for you to live in Japan, excuse me, library is very uh, high level Japanese required usually, right? So you're, what you, would you say, describe your Japanese level at right now? Right now, mm, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fluid, I can get by, uh, still studying, of course, it's, you know, with the kanji and everything, it's, it's, it's never ending. At the time, I would go and study children's books. I just grab a children's book. You know, that's okay because they have the furigana so you know how to read the kanji and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm still studying. I can, I'm, I'd say fluent, but I'm not going to be cocky about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool, cool. That's fine. Oh uh, yeah. So you, now you, you kind of found the, that's kind of interesting because there is so many, you know, these kind of rules and stuff you don't know about why people did that. And I always think it's because one of those things, oh, that's the way we've always done it. But sometimes I guess there is more to it than that, right? Right, right, right. And sometimes it's in what's funny is if you take it far back and depending on the thing, it can be something like a, a ghostly thing or some kind of yokai or something. And that way I, I found that really fun and interesting that my mother in law, you know, would would believe in something like that and hold it true. And <laughs> it, it kind of warmed me to her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there's an interesting mix too of Japan and kind of the religious side of Japan, you know, kind of the mixing of, of religions that kind of it's kind of really not one religion, right? It's kind of like, just like Japan religion, you know? And I'm right. sure you, maybe you know more about it than me, kind of the mixing of Buddhism and, and other Shintoism and stuff. Like, is that, does that kind of come up in your research and stuff? You, you kind of into that kind of side of things too, in, in addition to the yes. weird stuff? <laughs> yes. I just wished I had more hours in a day to study this. You know, I love one of my, one of my, you know, people like going to Disneyland or the beach, but I like going to temples and just, you know, like just reading about this, you know, <laughs> like why is this temple here and what is it about and stuff. I just love that stuff. But yeah. That's cool, yeah. yeah. So how about, um, you know, you hear about this kind of interesting old stories and stuff, and that's cool. Have you ever kind of, what, what about you? What What is your side of the belief come? You know, is there anything you kind of, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know your personality that well. Do you, do you think there's uh -huh. ghosts? Do you think there's yokai somewhere? I don't know. You tell me. Ooh, that's good. Um, I've had some very, very strange things happen to me in my life. Like, I could tell stories that would make people go, yeah, right, what, huh? And, uh, and I've written about them actually, and I've had some of them published too. And I kind of don't say that they're real, but yeah, you know, I, I believe a lot of stuff. Okay. 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 That's <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, what our minds can do. That's, that's nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what about when, you know, you hear about these stories of 
like you believe in like this how about the su- you know the suicide mountain in japan like people go to kill oh, themselves yeah. and stuff and how about one one i think one of the real famous uh i don't want to call it uh old wives tale or something but you know the mm-hmm. house's value goes down when someone kills himself in that house it's just a fact right right do you think there's anything to that <laughs> is, is is it because the the guy is still around there when he kills himself <laughs> what, what's the deal there <laughs> Well, you know, but but Japanese, they are, they're very, I know, and this again, this is a very generalization, but um, especially in, in where I am in, in the country, uh, superstition, and that's just, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they would think that. And just the fact that they think that would make the value go down right. I was actually looking for a house just recently. This is funny you said that. And it was a really good deal. It was a beautiful new house and it was a, such a good deal. And I was like, someone died here. <laughs> like, there's a reason it's <laughs> such a good deal and they're not telling us. <laughs> and that's why, but you know, I don't think it was, but anyway, I just suspected that. Yeah. I was, but oh, it's just, it's just, I was, I was looking for some place to rent and we found a place. I was like, this place is pretty cool and pretty cheap. And she's like, and then my wife was like, no, it looks haunted. I was like, how does it look haunted? <laughs> I, was like, I don't care if it looks haunted. That's a good, because people definitely died here. I was like, well, people die everywhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they do. when you think about it, right. If you buy a house, you know, and it's an old enough house someone's probably grandma's probably yeah people and you know if you think about the, the history of humans everywhere every piece of land is some millions of people die on it probably you know but that's just one of those things yeah about japan because japan is such an old country right so a lot of people you know uh where my i live there's a, a tiny 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 jinja it's a little shrine and it's called kubitsuka kubizuka jinja which means the head grave shrine and I guess, you know, back in the day, the samurai came through and they just went through and I don't know why, for what reason, but they just chopped off everyone's head with their katanas and lined them up along the street. And there's this little shrine for it. And I was just like, this is insane. This is wonderful. Like in America, you know, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska recently, and it's just prairie. There's like no stories. Mm-hmm. And it's just land. But here in Japan, everything just seems so uh, narrow, like on top of each other, and every every piece of land has a story, and I really like that too. It's just such a long history. Yeah, that's interesting. You think about it, yeah, because much smaller than America, still a lot of people, mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of people, and <laughs> so much and so much longer than America. So yeah, it's, uh, stories are going to build up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it just has to naturally. It's kind of interesting way to think about it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> how about what you what are you what are you on the like on a horror side of Japan? Because horror is a huge thing in Japan. Movies, things like this, and they kind of tied into that kind of stuff. You know, uh, do you like Japan? Japanese horror movies at all? I started off writing kind of a fantasy, kind of dark fantasy thing. And somehow I got, someone told me like people are publishers, like a publisher approached me and said, we want you to write horror stories. We want you to do this horror short story and follow our short story collection. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So for some reason it just draws me in. Um, It's funny horror stories scare me. (laughs) I am afraid, (laughs) but yeah, kind of drawn like, yeah, I like Japanese horror. That's it's cool. very, it gets under your skin, <laughs> and it's pretty cool. I should watch more, but I'm very scared. So I write them, and I read about them, but I try not to watch too many on <laughs> the rings. You know, right. A lot of people, you know, writing writers are kind of common thing. People, oh yeah, I want to be a writer and stuff, but they never really make it happen. But obviously, you kind of have gotten farther than that. People, develop, uh, you know, publishers coming to you and stuff. So, what's your what's your advice on that front? If we have some, you know, young people new to new to Japan, they say I want to be a writer in Japan too. So What's your kind of, you know, advice there on that side of things? Because you obviously were successful at it. 
Well, I think it's wonderful because you're in a different culture, right? And to be able to, my thing is I study Japan and again, superstitions or folk tales or whatever. So, so to be able to give something back to the reader, I mean, everyone's read the same things so many times, but if you can give them something new and something different and a different way of looking at things, I think that's really important. And that's uh, really special if you could do that. And yeah, that's what I try to do is just a different take mm-hmm. on everything. <laughs> and I know it's probably different now, but what do you do to get yourself out there? Because, you know, it's not as just simple as writing it and saying, what do you think, right? What, what do I mean? What, you know, you can't just ask your husband, hey, what do you think about that? That's cool. It's not like that. What do you do, you know, to get, get it out there? Right. Um, I have a small group of friends. I kind of run things by them. Um, yeah, literally back in the day when you send things out, sometimes you get, you know, like uh, feedback and stuff. But um, nowadays, everything's social. I'm not very good at social media, but some people are amazing at it. I think younger people would be very good at that, just um, touching base with people, meeting people, have your own little fan base, your own little clique, your own little group, mm-hmm. doing that. But um, with me, I'm still wrestling with, I mean, actually uncanny, the, the podcast, as much time I spend writing compared to podcasting, the writing is just so painful and labor intensive and so many hours and the podcast is so much fun but the podcast gets so much more attention yeah. <laughs> and so it, it kind of helps the writing they kind of balance each other out. <laughs> yeah yeah so how long did it take that podcast and podcast side of things how long did it take you do you think to get traction there because that's another thing people do is start podcasts and it, the hardest part is the beginning i know that too myself when you know this right. is, i've been doing it for like five years now and be, first year no one else listens you know what i mean it's just you it's talking to the mic so what was it like for you how long did it take to come off because you have a really it's a really interesting premise i feel like people would be you know see the hear what it's about they would listen but how long did it take to get traction for you I had the idea and I started doing it. It was kind of crappy. The mics were crappy. The way I was doing it was crappy. I had my friend who actually lent me, uh, Rich Pab. He did the first, um, one of the first podcasts out of Japan called Hero from Japan. And he was big in the day and then he's kind of not doing anything now. But he really helped me and kind of held my hand of how to do this. And then I was really lucky to get a mention in Boing Boing. And that kind of spiked me a little bit. Mm. And from there, just, I, I don't know if it's word of mouth. I don't know how this works, but um, I am amazed at how many sweet and amazing uh, letters and emails and I get hand-painted cards from people all over the world. And I cannot tell you that makes everything worth it. Wow, that's <laughs> makes- really cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I know I got a hand painted card, guys. Come on, get get to work on that. <laughs> no, it's amazing. I have it on my refrigerator. I look at it every day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how do you come up with your your ideas here? Do you have a kind of a stock of things to go through to get your episodes? Because your episodes are really focused on kind of one kind of theme, and then you kind of just make mm-hmm. that happen. So how do you kind of come up with those you know themes? That too is uh, things I've researched. So when I do a story, I research a bunch of stuff. There's so much stuff that doesn't go into the story, so I just put them aside, put them aside. So I have a notebook full of like again, like a superstition or some kind of folk belief or something. And I kind of go and I dig into that. Um, some people give me ideas. Just, uh, I have so many and I keep trying to do new things and people keep writing me and saying, how about doing this? And how about doing, I'm like, okay, that sounds good. So I I do have a list. I have a, uh, I think it's a Google like keep or something. I have this list of things I want to do. So yeah, everywhere. You're about a, it looks, seems to be about a once a month kind of thing for you or what do you think? It's about the schedule you like, you keep. 
it was once a month and then I wanted to do twice a month and I was doing that for a while. And then when life gets crazy, it's back to once a month. So this month is going to be two. I'm actually going to put one up after I talk to you. Oh, sweet. Okay. Put- we can check that out. So, um, yeah, it's either once or twice a month. Mm-hmm. Right cool. Now. Cool. So uh, I got to ask, you know, obviously you're, it seems like you have, you have your interests, you're do- keeping doing with your interests and you're having fun and you're a small town in Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. But I always like to ask people because people don't think it's all right. Rainbows and sunshine. Mm-hmm. What do you kind of, what what are you what are you kind of struggling with in the Inaka in Japan? Is there anything you kind of are kind of still not the biggest fan of? Ooh, uh, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this one. Let's see. Um, the Inaka in Japan. Uh, yeah, being rural, well, cheese. <laughs> I can't get decent cheese. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. There's, you know, well, geez, nowadays, though, with the internet, right, you can Netflix, you can see TV, or you can see good shows and Spotify, you can hear good music. But um, yeah, you, you are very isolated. I can't go out, you know, I've got a handful, literally five to 10 good friends that I can see whenever we're all free. But um, just being isolated from, you know, uh, English speaking friends is, is hard, difficult. Mm-hmm. And home, back home, right? You know, you can't just go back home on a whim. It takes a while. <laughs> so, what, what was kind of the moment when you said, Hey, Japan's where I want to be. Uh, what was the kind of the switch there? Cause I'm sure when you came to Japan the first time that wasn't in your head. Right. So what kind of you said, you know, Japan's where I want to live forever. What, what, what that, is, if that's the case, I'm not even hundred percent sure on that. What kind of was your switch for that, for that to ha- make that happen? That's a good question because originally we were planning to go back. It was like, you know, we're going to um, get married, we're gonna live here, have the child uh, before the child, you know, the boy, the son gets, you know, certain age. <laughs> it sounds like a king or something. The child. Right. You have the, the child. The, yeah, the child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Regal. Um, but it did happen. So we, we ended up staying here. We built a house so we couldn't leave so easily and jobs and stuff. But I think, what did you stay? Um, just, uh, well, him being here, my son being here and having his life here. I like to be close to him. It's cool. And he's fun to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, recently now, just America's kind of in turmoil and things like um, uh, very, very simply <laughs> things like a uh, health is, you know, if I went back, I don't know if I could get insurance and stuff. Yeah. So kind of Japan's cool that way. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, that's for sure. And I can get taken care of and I won't have to, you know, go in debt or anything. So it's very comfortable now. Yeah, really. That's what I'm kind of I'm kind of struggling with that now because we're, we're plan was to leave next year, actually go back to America myself. But, you know, okay. it's kind of tough whenever, you, you know, you get bad news every weekend and stuff. You know? So that's kind of interesting uh, thing. So how about for this as a personal personal question? You might not even want to answer it. But uh, <laughs> how about when your, your son was obviously half? Um <laughs> Any kind of interesting stories or things that kind of growing up half from his school um, that like kind of maybe not not positive mm-hmm. stories about that? Anything like you share with that? There are very few positive stories, especially <laughs> <laughs> yeah. being in the, in the country. Um, he had a very, very, very hard time. He was, you know, I thought, you know, whatever, a good looking kid. He's fine. He's funny. He's hilarious. He could speak two languages. I thought he was doing OK. But um in retrospect, things I hear later, it was really hard for him. And then he went to a high school that just happened to be kind of old school, like old school Japan, mil- not militaristic, but kind of. It was a private school. And the things that happened uh, were, were, you know, were just, just horrible. And it wasn't until he went to university that he could actually kind of find his own way and, you know, be, I'd say, happy again. But, um, yeah, it was really hard. It was, it was harder than I thought. Um, during high school, I knew it was very hard. But I think I don't think I got even 
half of what, how it really, really was difficult for him. And I don't know if it's better in the city or, I mean, he was literally the only half in the school. There was no one else. So he didn't even have anyone to talk to about the things yeah. he was going through. Well, it seems like that's one thing now as we get, you know, now we're getting entering 2020, uh, things are getting a little better on that front in terms of there being more. I don't know if it's getting better in terms of how they treat it, but there's definitely more half now than ever before. Right, and it's only right. going to keep going like that for sure. Um, but yeah, so, so um, if I'd ask you one kind of, let's get back on positive notes here. We're done with the live <laughs> stuff. Uh, what's kind of, if we just send someone to one episode to kind of figure out all about what Uncanny Japan, kind of not your best favorite episode, but one you kind of, to show exactly what you're about, what's a good episode that we can send people to? If it, Maybe it's the most recent one might be the one. I don't know. You tell me. Uh, I wouldn't say the most recent one <laughs> because uh, the one I'm going to update or up to upload now is kind of an interview, which I've never done before. I usually don't do interviews. Usually it's me talking about something uh, Japanese, right? So it's me telling a story or something. So the new one is an interview, which is totally new. It's an experiment. And the last one was a reading, kind of a, a reading about cicadas because cicadas are everywhere and it's interesting. So what was before that? Um, trying to think i did a local i researched a local folk legend called the rock that cries at night uh literally there's this big boulder and a woman was supposedly killed and her baby's spirit anyway went into the rock and it cries at night and it's this kind of local legend uh that might be interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the kind of the stuff i do cool, cool. i take story and talk about that yeah <laughs> yeah really cool stuff guys so you can check it out at uncannyjapan.com Obviously, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Patreon as well if you want to help support if you really like the show. Um, how about what's – I want to see – where did you get this logo? Because this logo is really sweet. This is like a really awesome logo. It, it fits the mood perfectly. So how did you get that logo? I want to talk to that guy. Uh, you should. His name's Trevor. <laughs> he, uh, Travis. He is um, one of my patrons and he is amazing. Um, he became a patron and he kind of reached out and says, oh, I'm just a designer and if you ever want a logo. And at that time I had a crappy – you know, like I took a picture of it, Ojizo, like a statue and I used that. And I got enough money in Patreon that I was able to contact him. And I said, listen, you know, I got this money now. I I would like to ask you about a logo. And we went back and forth. And the whole idea is it's this calm, sweet Ojizo, which is the statue you you see all over Japan with an oni, like an ogre. And it's half and half because Japan is, you know, both the sweet side and the kind of wild (laughs) horror side. And I want to express both of of those things. And he was able to capture that in the logo. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's really sweet. You got it. There's nothing else. Check out the logo, guys. It's really sweet. But uh, (laughs) Teresa, I'll send everyone, of course, everywhere you go. Um, Last thing I always like to ask, anything you head in the future, you can, you already sold your next episode. Anything you working on stuff we could look forward to in the future uh yeah just i want to do two a month i really want to do two a month and anyone who contacts me messages dms anything and has ideas i am so willing to research that and do it for them and yeah there you go guys uncanny japan (laughs) Teresa. thanks for that time thanks for your time it was really awesome and good luck in the future thank you you too i really hope you enjoyed today's inside japan podcast dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you check out altinsider.com and for regular up-to-the-minute job postings check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of japan and good luck gambate Don't see the bad. Don't go.